0: from movie set to multiplex it's the business of film with james cameron wilson i see dead people go ahead make my day
1: i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore i'll have what she's having speaks Peter Finch for the rest of us. This is Simon Rose. You join us for The Business of Film, where I'm joined by James Cameron Wilson. As we see what is hot and what is not at the UK box office. James, um, last week we did talk about one new big film arriving at the UK box office. I guess that's going to be what we've been talking about quite a bit today.
0: We might. And this is a British film. And it's been a rather dire last few weeks, you may remember, each weekend's it's gone down another percentage but i'm pleased to say that it's gone up from the previous weekend by 20.4% thanks largely to the film lodged at number 1 which opened at 746 locations which is the second widest opening of all time in the united kingdom wow and it's done very well indeed it is called downton abbey a new Era and it made three million seventy three thousand pounds.
1: Respectable. Is that better than the first one? I can't remember how well the first
0: one did. I hate to say this. I hate to put a dampener on the proceedings, but it is down forty percent on the previous film. Oh wow! Unfortunately, but I think because it's been advertised um, a great deal, hasn't it? Well, we have talked how the pandemic has dampened the grey pound. I think this could be a casualty of this sort of film because I think a lot of older audiences are still loath to walk into a packed cinema, mm. particularly with the AB2 variant still. But we've out we've there. seen
1: quite a few films that have been doing well in what?
0: The Maggie past smith few type films? No,
1: not, okay, not, I suppose, yes, you're right. Not, no, I'm not talking not about the film. Great Pound. Yeah, yeah. Films yeah, like yeah, Spider Man yes. yes.
0: and The Batman are doing really well, but they're not appealing to the older generation who still feel vulnerable, I think. But so it's really, I'm really happy that I did see quite a few grey hairs in the cinema when I went to see this. I may be at a slight disadvantage in reviewing the film, as I am already familiar with the many characters that populated the TV series. I did find the first film, released back in September of 2019, struggling to keep track of his of its dramatis personae. But with the new edition, the various plot strands appear to be more neatly woven together. It's hard for me to say whether or not audiences unfamiliar with the show will love the film, but I do believe that the faithful are in for a real treat. In fact, I think a new era is to the upmarket soap what No Time to Die was to the James Bond franchise. Mm -hmm. It is a beautifully crafted thing, directed by Simon Curtis, who hasn't done a Downton before, but is married to Lady Grantham, Elizabeth McGovern, in real life. And the scriptwriter and creator of the brand, Julian Fellows, really knows his subject and the people that he has brought to life for over 11 years now. A lot is going on, which would explain the film's two hour, five minute running time. But then there are just almost 30 main characters, including a couple of new French individuals, a movie director and a couple of Hollywood stars, the latter embodied by Dominic West and Laura Haddock. For the unfamiliar, let me explain. This is basically Upstairs Downstairs, set in and around the stately pile of the title, filmed at Highclere Castle in Hampshire. The year is now 1929 and the roof is leaking and funds are somewhat stretched to maintain the kitchen staff, the chambermaids, footmen, and the butler. Because everyone is so terribly decent and know their place, they're a good bunch to spend time with. Even the withering retorts doled out by Violet Crawley, Dowager Countess of Grantham, are acceptable because they are so funny. Because nobody knows how to arm a witticism like Mm. Maggie Smith. And she certainly has the most memorable line in the new film, which fans will be talking about for years to come. I can't tell you what it is because it's a plot. Uh, it's a real plot spoiler. I think the fun part if its not that, in the trailer. Definitely not. Tra- OK, good, because the trailer seems to give away quite a lot already. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't watch trailers. Um, I think the fun part about the series is that while it's set in another time, it is constantly at loggerheads with the encroachment of a new era, something that sits uneasily with the aristocracy, because so much of what it brings is so terribly common. Hmm. Then, just as the Crawley family have no idea how to pay for the repairs to the roof, they are made an offer that they can't really refuse. They have been approached by British lion to use their premises for the backdrop of a moving picture starring the dashing guy Dexter, Dominic West, and Myrna Daglish, Laura Haddock. Of course, the servants are beside themselves with excitement, while the Earl of Grantham, Hugh Bonneville, is appalled by the notion, by the very thought of actresses plastered in makeup and actors just plastered, (laughs) wafting in and out of the furnishings. Then another complication arises when Violet Crawley announces that she has been left a villa in the south of France by a recently deceased paramour that nobody knew about. And the Earl of Grantham has been requested to visit the French estate before final documents are signed and exchanged. So we have one half of the family having to indulge the manners of the French. The butler, Carson, Jim Carter... Mm knows that if you can speak slowly and loudly enough, the natives will understand you. And though, although warned, Carson insists on wearing what he considers the proper attire for such an adventure, a three-piece tweed suit and suffers from heat stroke. While in a local shop hunting for a sun hat, he is rescued by Lady Bagshaw, Imelda Staunton, who has a rough knowledge of the local lingo. But imagine their embarrassment when the milliner mistakes them for husband and wife. Of course, in real life, they are husband and wife, Jim Carter and Amelda Staunton. And while all this is going on, the other half of the family is adjusting to the invasion of the vulgar Hollywood elite at Downton. All stage managed by, by the rather handsome movie director Jack Barber, played by Hugh Dancy. And so we have the interaction of family and the staff with a whole new set of characters, bringing with them their own set of surprises and indeed revelations. Much of what follows is largely foreseeable, although one prays that what we think will happen actually does, because it would be so neat if it did. And in amongst all this, Julian Fellows has thrown in a few curveballs to keep us on our back foot. To my surprise, I found myself genuinely moved on a number of occasions, laughing out loud a lot and even feeling rather excited on occasion. In short, oh, I. That's not what you expect
1: from Danton. <laughs> well, no, there are
0: moments that are really exciting. In short, I can't remember the last time I had such a good time in the cinema. Certainly not this year. And I have been very snooty of late. And I apologise for that. I just haven't found anything that I believed in or really got engaged in. Mm. I think a lot of this m- might be done. Well, obviously, Julian Fellows, a wonderful cast, but also Simon Curtis is a very fine director.
1: Yes, yes. I, I, I'm intrigued because Julian Fellows did a series called um, The Gilded Age, which um, was really like an American version of Downton. Um, set among the wealthy families oh, yes. in in New York about the Astors and the, the you know those who the so parvenus who weren't allowed to be going and I watched it and it was it was decent but it just didn't have the appeal of of Downton somehow mm. um, so I'm intrigued to hear that this is that this is enjoyable I was going to try and get to see um, uh, Operation Mincemeat. Um, sorry, I keep thinking of the man who never was the original, but um, Operation Mincemeat, but maybe Downton would be a better thing to go to.
0: I think you'll uh, enjoy it. I'm and sure. of course, Highclere is suffering and <laughs> with repairs and everything. And Downton mm-hmm. has saved, saved Highclere Castle. Yes. So you've got the sequence of Downton being saved by a Hollywood film crew, while Downton itself is saving Highclere. So it's sort of working on two different levels.
1: Yes. Um, Downton's appeal is quite extraordinary because I went to France a few years ago and in bad days weather, we didn't get the beach. We went to a, a, a French chateau that bills itself as the French Downton. Mainly, I think it didn't have much in common, but mainly because then when the, the, the guy who bought it they don't sort of have the equivalent of national trust or anything like that. There, The guy who bought it, who I think his money in insurance, they opened up the attic and discovered all the servants' quarters were still there exactly as they had been oh. left. They'd been, all been boarded up, so it's actually fascinating. Um, but yes, even the French seemed to like Downton.
0: Well, of course, it was a running joke in Iron Man, because it was the character played by John Favreau, Iron Man's valet, who is in a coma and he wakes up in hospital. And the first thing he asks is,
1: what happened to Downton? <laughs> I didn't remember that. Anyway, well, so... Well, so that's fantastic. Well, they have to, have to hope then that, that people get over their fear of going to the cinema and do um, go and see it. Because 3 million is not a massive opening, especially if... How many cinemas do you say it's opened in?
0: Or screens, sorry, rather than cinemas. Well, it says 746 locations. Uh, I'm and assuming so that, that would means be a cinemas.
1: screen within a multiplex. Uh, or you think, oh, you
0: think it's that 746 individual cinemas? Well, so it could be more
1: screens? Hard indeed. tell.
0: Yeah. Gosh. yeah. Anyway, I do have, having been rather snotty of late, I do have another film to rave about. So, Well, let's...
1: if you bear with me a second then, um, let us take a brief pause for breath before we do that, James.
0: Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
1: This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film, where I'm listening to James Cameron Wilson telling us how much he liked Downton Abbey, a new era. Um, Where do we go now,
0: James? A film I didn't like, Remotely, which is at number two, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which was at number one last weekend, which made £1.3 over the weekend, down 18%, with a total already of £21.9 million. And number three, we've got The Lost City, which is holding... It's Station, which was at number three, down 12% with a total of four uh, £7.4 million. Number four, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, down two places, 25% with a total of £18.8 Number five, the week's strongest holdover is The Bad Guys, which was at number five, down only 2%. With a total of 10.2 million million pounds. Number six, we've got Monty Python and the Northman. Sorry, the Northman. <laughs> <laughs> which was, I felt like I was watching Monty Python when I was singing. It. It's so, so silly. That's down 15% with a total of 3.6 million. Number seven, Operation Mincemeat, which I did enjoy, uh, which was at uh, number four down 29% with a total of 4.1 million pounds. Number eight, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. This was a screening where I was the only one left in the cinema Mm. by the end. Everybody had left, down 42%.
1: I remember that from a long time ago. You may remember a a director nobody then heard of called Peter Jackson made something called Meet the Feebles. I got (laughs) very cross because... The critic for, I can't remember which paper, I think the Sunday Times, said he was the only person left at the center, in the cinema at the end. And in fact, I was still there at the end. I just couldn't ah. quite believe what I see everybody else had left.
0: I mean, yeah. um, why were you there at the end, Simon? I felt I should
1: sit through it. It was so extraordinarily bad and awful that I, I persisted. Um, I was probably early in my film reviewing career. I don't think I was quite as um, dedicated if a film was really awful after that. okay, right, right. Uh, Number eight,
0: uh, number nine, rather, we have The Batman, which was at number eight, down 33 percent, with a total of close to 41.1 million pounds. Mm -hmm. And at number 10, we've got Acharya, a very Mm. long action drama from India in the Telugu language. And that's number 10. And I would like to talk about something I just blew me away. Um, if I could draw you to attention, a film that was premiered on BBC Two last week, and but which is available to rent on Amazon Video, Curzon, Virgin TV, Apple TV, and multiple platforms. I don't usually review TV films, but I happen to see this. And it's called Navalny. Did you see it?
1: No, I don't even have heard of it. Navalny spelled how? N-E-V-A-L-N-I.
0: N-A-V-A-L-N-I. Oh, no but, I, no,
1: but I have, now I know what it is now. Sorry, yes, I, um, I've, I read a review
0: of it. No, I haven't seen it. But yes. It is one of those documentaries that is so slick and far-fetched that you have to keep on reminding yourself that what is happening on screen is really happening two years ago the canadian documentarian daniel Roa began recording the story of alexei navalny the russian opposition opposition leader if hollywood were ever to make a movie biog of the man he would probably be played by alexander sarsgaard because he is so tall handsome and charismatic he is a wonderfully compelling subject for a film but what happened to him and his constant presence on screen beggars belief. He is the good guy, warm, smart, liberal, and adored by his people. He's also got a beautiful wife and two beautiful children and a loyal team behind him. He's also, well, conversely, the villain of the piece is a short, not so handsome man who is pathologically delusional and who lies as he breathes. Any well-documented attempt to spotlight Putin's fallibility as a leader is denounced as fake. Daniel Roer's documentary opens with Alexei Navalny sitting in front of the camera and refusing to answer the first question fired at him. He has a lot to undergo before that question is answered, and the camera is always there to record the extraordinary trajectory of his life over the next three Hmm. years. Navalny's first mistake was to stand for office as the opposition leader against Vladimir Putin, which instantly made him a threat of the Russian president. There is a lot of footage of Putin as well, who is constantly asked about his opposition leader, but seems unable to recollect his name. And like anybody who dares to step on the leader's toes, Navalny is administered a large dose of Novichok. Now, Novichok, which is only made in one place in Russia, is Putin's signature poison, his weapon of choice against his rivals. So it seems foolhardy in the extreme to almost advertise the attempted homicide, which is why presumably Navalny's wife was not allowed to visit her husband in hospital, a facility manned by more security personnel than medical Amazingly, Navalny survived and then embarked on a quest to find which goons of Putin's poisoned him and how. With the help of the investigative organisation Bellingcat, he was able to trace the exact men who were responsible. This sequence in itself is the stuff of Hollywood and is staggering and eye-opening, all on camera. No, I have heard Kat,
1: about this, yes, in a review yeah. but yes.
0: Ellen Kat, being the, the smart uh, outfit that it is, hacked the password of a Kremlin insider who, once found out, changed his password from Moscow 1 to Moscow 2. When, again, he was rumbled, he changed his password again to Moscow 3 <laughs> and, and was again <laughs> traced. So guess what he changed his password to next? It's just That's a single <laughs> This would just not get past the script editor of a second-rate spy thriller. The power of the film is the extraordinary access Rona has to the man and his inner circle, along with the copious recorded footage from multiple phones at the scenes of police brutality, Navalny's arrest, and even his flight back to Moscow. This man genuinely adores his country and his people, and so has repeatedly returned to the Russian capital, fearless in the face of his aggressor. The first time he was poisoned, he was rehabilitated in Germany. And then when he was healthy enough to return, he did. This time he was arrested in front of the cameras. And now he's been jailed for 20 years for being an extremist. And I think I'm right in saying there was one moment where we saw that his TikTok following was 100 million. So people know what he's talking about out there. It's hard to know what Putin would do next. But in this film, he is depicted as a pompous, smug man who does not hold any love for his own people. He also comes off as incredibly stupid, secure in the belief that whatever he says, that the West, for instance, are homosexual neo-Nazis, will be believed by his own people, the Russian populace. According to TASS, the Russian news agency, four years ago, Putin rated Tchaikovsky as his favorite composer, which may explain why references to the composer's homosexuality in his letters have now been censored in Russia. That's not in the film. I'm just saying that. But I just was completely gripped. So it hasn't been a great year. I mean, post Oscar, of course, and we had a lot of treats on Netflix, The Power of the Dog being an extraordinary work of cinema. But actually, at the multiplex, I haven't been wowed over. So it was a very good week for me last week.
1: Um, you mentioned it was on various um, things. I had a look while you were talking. And it is still, you can watch it on BBC iPlayer for another five months. Oh, catch it! So, yeah, it, So, it you know, amazing. if you've paid your licence fee, they haven't shoved it onto BritBox yet, which rather irritates me. You pay your licence fee and some of the BBC stuff is jammed under BritBox for which you have to pay even more. Okay, Um, which I find slightly irritating. Um, So that's good. So where do we go now? We've still got a a little bit of uh, time left. Well,
0: a a few things I would like to talk about. Uh, Again, I'm really interested in what already is being put forward as possible Oscar winners for next year. And Variety is now predicting a film called The Sun is up for Best Picture for next year. And for Best Director, Florian Zeller, and for Best Screenplay by Florian Zeller, based on his 2018 play Le Fee. And they're also predicting that pretty much they think that Hugh Jackman, who is the star of The Sun, <coughs> will um, get a Best Actor nomination, and for Best Supporting Actress Vanessa Kirby for the same film, which is very exciting. Now, we've got about two minutes? Yes, a short two minutes. Yep. Ooh, ooh. Okay, I'm only going to do a top five then. But I thought... We keep on talking about this film as the highest-grossing film, etc. Mm-hmm. But what if you adjusted it for inflation? And that is what really counts. Bums on Seeds. Oh, adjusted for inflation, it's, well, it's nearly always been Gone with the Wind, doesn't it? That is still... Yeah, yeah number one. And number two is The Sound of Music. Now, I'm talking about In the United yep. Kingdom here. Number three yep. is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Number four star wars and number five most seen film at the british cinema of all time is spring mm-hmm. in park lane
1: i can't even remember that was that um um uh, an eagle
0: it was so- an eagle well done and michael wilding a romantic comedy gosh, made yes they were very, they were a very
1: popular team for a while but gosh that's yes not not a film that's on
0: everybody's lips now (laughs) well i I was i was saying that how many people now would have heard of spring in park lane but it was incredibly popular in its time as was of course anna needle but it's wonderful to see that it hasn't been beaten by spider-man not 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 by attendance
1: (laughs) No, well, we shall have to see. Dad doesn't look after a start of three million for last weekend as if Downton Abbey, a new era, is going to necessarily challenge any of those. We shall have to hope it is one of those that just picks up. Uh, week by week by week James thank you very much indeed That's been James Cameron Wilson taking us through the business of film including some useful inflation statistics for which to all your friends I'm going to a quiz night on um, Sunday James I shall probably wheel out that information um, thank you very much indeed there'll be more business of film at the same time next week
0: What we've got here is
1: failure to communicate. You
0: ever dance with the devil in the pale